Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In 2020, events have again shone a light on inequalities across the globe, and Australia is not an exception. 20 years on from the reconciliation walks of the year 2000, this nation's journey towards more just, equitable and reconciled identity still has a long way to go. With that in mind and in the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Welcome to Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and its region. I'm Artie Bettigary, and I'm your guest presenter for this episode in our Making the Invisible Visible bonus series. Policy Forum Pod is a product of PolicyForum.net, based at Crawford School of Public Policy. We're the leading graduate policy school in the Asia-Pacific region, based right at the heart of Australian politics and policy. Join us for your postgraduate journey now and learn from some of the leading researchers and policy practitioners in their fields and study with a diverse and engaged student body. You can see all of our offers from masters to short courses at crawford.anu.edu.au slash study. In this special bonus series, we're exploring work done by researchers from Crawford School over the past 12 years on an ambitious project to redefine how poverty is measured, taking an innovative, rights-based and people-centred approach. This has been collaborative research, and the past four years were a partnership between ANU and the International Women's Development Agency, with funding from the Australian Government through the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Using a new approach known as the Individual Deprivation Measure during its development and now renamed as the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty, the project didn't just assess how many people are poor, but rather how they experience poverty. In measuring deprivation across 15 dimensions, the results have revealed some incisive and in-depth information about patterns of poverty. In this Making the Invisible Visible series, we'll be shedding light on the issue of poverty by breaking down the figures provided by this new measure, getting behind the data, and seeing how it can help policymakers better direct resources. There is a growing awareness that the experiences of disabled people are nuanced, but there's still a dearth of data. In particular, the combination of gender and disability can be a recipe for poverty. 20 years ago, the United Nations declared that women with a disability are amongst the most vulnerable and marginalised people in all of society. The IDM was used to measure poverty amongst disabled people in Indonesia and South Africa. Let's start in South Africa with Dr Helen Such. 
Helen led the IDM South Africa study, including the statistical analysis, and is lead author of the IDM South Africa report. She's currently a visiting fellow at the Crawford School of Public Policy. Please describe for me how the methodology of the research that you did in South Africa differed from what was done in Indonesia. In the Indonesia study, um, the sample was selected randomly in two districts in South Sulawesi. So people with disabilities were found randomly within those households. In South Africa, we took a slightly different approach. We had two samples in the South African uh, study. The first was a national level study. Which, uh, in which we interviewed about in excess of 8,600 people. And in that, we also found uh, those people with disabilities that were living in the, hand, in the households that were randomly sampled. But in South Africa, we also undertook a purposive sample. That is, we identified first people with disabilities and then invited them to participate and along with their household members. That purposive sample was only done in Gauteng and Limpopo, so it was more constrained in area, but we ended with a sample of in excess of 2,300 people and more than 1,000 of those are classified as people with disabilities. So what were the main findings when it came to disability? Okay, so first I should say that um, in South Africa we used a somewhat more relaxed criteria for defining people with disabilities than was the case in Indonesia. But even so, overall, people with disabilities were more deprived than those without. So the IDM measures 14 different dimensions of deprivation. and We also calculate what we call an IDM index score, which aggregates those figures across all 14 dimensions. People with disabilities in South Africa were almost two times as likely to be in the quartile representing the most severe deprivation compared to those without disabilities and half as likely to be in the highest scoring quartile representing less severe deprivation levels. So also when you look at the 14 dimensions separately, people with disabilities are more deprived in nine of them than individuals without disabilities. So the dimensions with the biggest differences were in food, in education, and in health. So for food, the level of food insecurity is high for the whole sample in South Africa, but 38% of people with disabilities were severely food insecure compared to 27% of people without disabilities. If you look at health, people with disabilities were more likely to be deprived and more deeply deprived for all four indicators across the two themes of health. That is, they had worse outcomes for physical health status, for psychosocial health status, and for both uh, general and prenatal healthcare access and quality. If we come to education, the poor results for people with disabilities are related to the strong correlations we have there between disability and older age. So this reflects in, in part the poor education provision during apartheid. So we haven't completed yet a thorough analysis of people with more mild disabilities compared to those with more moderate or severe disabilities, but initial resu- results point to the fact that the level of deprivation increases as the severity of 
disability also increases. It also looks as though all individuals living in a household with disabilities are more deprived or more likely to be deprived than individuals living in households without people with disabilities. But I'd need to add a caveat to our understanding of the issues facing people with disabilities. We're missing some important factors which are of particular relevance to those people because of the way the 14 dimensions of the IDM were originally determined. They were determined with more focus on the differences between men and women, so we know that we're missing some factors that are of particular relevance to people with disabilities. The IDM data tells us a lot, but it doesn't tell us everything. So what does the future hold in terms of how disability and poverty might be handled at a policy level? So the IDM has really great potential to inform the design of policies and programs to address the particular deprivations that people with disabilities face. We now have information at our fingertips that can help us to target the most deprived groups or those with the greatest number of deprivations uh, and the like. We can also use the data to increase our understanding of the interactions between the different dimensions that we're measuring across the, and the different themes within those dimensions. And that understanding of how things are interacting can help to inform more holistic approaches to poverty reduction. For example, if we understand better how the nine dimensions in which people with disabilities are more deprived and how they interact, then we can have a better understanding of how relieving constraints in one might help also relieve constraints in others. Thank you, Helen. The IDM was not originally designed to assess the relationship between disability and multidimensional poverty, but because it measures at the individual level, it was able to reveal the experiences of people with a disability. Statistics on disability from Indonesia point squarely to one thing, that if you're disabled or from a household where the main earner has a disability, you have a greater chance of being poor. The lead researcher in Indonesia on the IDM project was Angie Bexley. Angie, you spent time on the ground in Indonesia. Can you start by giving me an overview of how the country looks after its disabled population, which I understand is something in the region of 10 million people? Thanks, Adi. Yeah, that's right. So the last population census puts the figure at around 10 million people with disability. But the prevalence ranges from around 0.8% to over 25% of the population. So that's something like 66 million people with disability, depending on how extensive your measurement of disability is. So data is an issue. Uh, This has been recognised in Indonesia and there has been some positive change. Before I joined the IDM last year, I worked in Indonesia implementing Australian aid programs on issues of social inclusion and minorities. I worked with disability organisations known as DPOs who spent many years advocating for the disability law, which was finally passed in 2016. This law is based on the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Persons with Disability, or the CRPD. This acknowledges that people with disability share the same rights as all other people. The law and its base within a human rights perspective was lauded as a giant step forward, and so it should be, for shifting that paradigm from the previous law, which described people as needing welfare and charity, 
The former law was administered through the Ministry of Social Affairs and as such had a heavy reliance on things like rehab services. It had a very narrow understanding of disability and the state responsibility towards people with disability. The new law has regulated disability as a multi-sectoral issue, but in reality, this is going to take a lot longer to be implemented. While policies are relatively easy to being brought about, um, you know, it took around 10 years to get that policy up, attitude change, particularly around acknowledging that people with disability have rights rather than needs, will take a lot longer. At some levels within the government apparatus itself, there's a real lack of awareness that disability even exists. And where there is, it's often treated in a very narrow way. So to give you an example, in many parts of Indonesia, the policy responses for people with disability are dealt with in terms of either rehab or, you know, minor economic boosting activities. So, for example, men who are blind often receive training in massage. For women with disability, they get sewing machines. So these policy responses are both very limited and also very limiting. And while we're starting to see great changes at local levels where policymakers are made aware of the issues, this is usually by the NGOs or the DPOs, a lack of consistent, reliable and up-to-date data on disability will continue to constrain understanding of what disability is, who is affected and in what ways. What were some of the key findings which revealed differences between people with and without a disability? The results that I'm going to share with you today are from Geneponto, where 306 people with disability were included in the survey. So that was 234 women and 72 men. And while these numbers should be treated with some caution, they're relatively low numbers, they really start to tell us some important information and some important patterns have emerged from this data. So the IDM study used the Washington Group short set questions to identify people living with disability. These are a set of questions that ask um, six questions around um, if they have difficulty in walking, seeing, hearing, cognition, self-care and communication. And for the purposes of this study, people were assessed as having disability if they reported experience a lot of difficulty in any of those domains. The results show us that overall it is very clear from the data across all of the 14 dimensions of the IDM, women and men with disability are much more deprived than people without disability. So, for example, food, which I've mentioned a number of times in my previous pod, people with disability experienced real acute deprivation across all eight indicators of food quality and quantity. And it showed that women with disability were the most deprived across most of these indicators. In the water dimension, similar results were found where women and men with disability experience acute deprivation. Water also revealed gender differences. So while men with disability were more likely to report having inadequate treatment for drinking water, it was women who bore the disproportionate responsibility for collecting water and also experiencing threats while doing so. So, you know, if we can imagine um, water required for uh, cooking at night, women are going out um, at sunset, you know, often having to walk long distances, and so they're exposed to different sorts of threats than men are. Women and men with disability were also more likely to access healthcare, but also to have more problems while doing so. And this finding could be quite surprising for policymakers. 
over 78% of men and women with disability had accessed healthcare compared to just over half of the population without disability. Yet almost 30% of respondents with disability found between one and three problems with the healthcare that they received. The quality of healthcare really matters. A total of 10% of women with disability and 3% of men with disability reported that they were not treated with respect while accessing healthcare. So how might this research help achieve more nuanced solutions for those affected by poverty? How do you hope policymakers might interpret the data and affect change? Well, getting back to the point I made in the introduction about how assessing something can really change understandings about it, I think consistent, reliable and up-to-date data on disability can actually help change understanding and build awareness around what disability actually is, who it affects and in what ways. From a data perspective, we can see clearly how people with disability are affected much more deeply than those without disability. We can see there are really big differences between the experiences of poverty between men with disability and women with disability. I hope this data, at the end of the day, is able to be used by policymakers to really make a change and build awareness that people with disability have rights and not just needs. That was Angie Bexley and before that Helen Such, both researchers on the IDM project. The disability information highlights that understanding how people are living with disability is what will help policymakers and service providers best understand their challenges and tailor solutions. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts in today's discussion. You can reach us via Twitter at APPS Policy Forum or shoot us a good old-fashioned email podcast at policyforum.net. You can reach out to the Individual Measure of Multidimensional Poverty directly on Twitter at Research Poverty. If you want to find out more about the research we've discussed today, you can visit immp.crawford.anu.edu. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you have, we'd love you to subscribe to us. We're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you normally get your favourite series from. And whilst you're there, you might even want to leave us a review. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Your regular episode of Policy Forum Pod will be out on Friday. And I'll be back next week with the final episode in our Making the Invisible Visible bonus series. So until next time, from me, Archie Gary, thanks for joining us. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 